lot of notes per se, but there's a lot of material here. What I don't get to today, I'll probably uh, maybe finish up on Wednesday, maybe. But maybe we, we might get to it all uh, today. But, so let's dig into this word here. So, you know, I talked about how we're going to talk about Christ, Christmas and whether or not Christians should celebrate Christmas, right? So that is the title of the message. Should we, as Christians, celebrate Christmas? Praise God. Amen. Praise God. You know, and the reason why I ask that, because there are good, loving Christians on both sides of the fence, right? You have some Christians that say we should not celebrate Christmas, and then you have some Christians that say we should celebrate Christmas, right? So, and we know that, you know, so where's the fine line at, right? So, for the, those that don't celebrate Christmas, who say that they don't celebrate Christmas, and we as Christians shouldn't celebrate Christmas, they'll argue two, usually one or two things. One, number one, is commercialism. Right, so we know over the years that Christmas has been used, has been commercialized yeah. by the world, by businesses. So we know right after, actually now even before Thanksgiving, they start. Right, so we know Black Friday and, and things like that, and it's all in preparation to get you to shop, shop. for Christmas. Yeah, and I was guilty of that years ago. I used to get up two, three in the morning to go stand out in the lines yeah. and hit three or four stores to get, uh, you know, gifts for the kids and things like that. And I'll tell you, I've, I've been on the fence with this on whether or not, as, as a Christian, whether or not I should celebrate Christmas and things like that. So that's number one. The other thing is this, in reference to, they'll say, well, they won't celebrate Christmas because of ties to, you know, paganism and things like that, right? But truth be told, because we live in this society, we have to understand that there's always going to be, we're always going to have ties to some sort of paganism. In this world, right? Whether it's the Babylonian, Romans, Grecian, there's going to be some ties. So we can't even say a month of the year without it being tied to paganism. We can't say it a day of the week. So, for instance, if we're going to totally avoid all paganistic things, and which we should, we can't say Sunday. We can't say Monday. Why? Because Sunday is named after the sun god. <laughs> Monday is named after the moon god. Thursday is actually... Thor's Day. I don't know if you knew that. Thor's Day. Yep. So it's named after Thor, right? Which was a, a Greek myth, uh, mythological figure who was the god of thunder, right? Mm -hmm. And the hammer, and now he's a superhero for those that, I think it's Marvel. 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 Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so, and then Wednesday was supposed to be Odin's Day, you know? Um, I forgot the name of the uh, called, but how it became Wednesday. And then Friday was supposed to be Odin's wife and things like that. So, we would have to go, instead of saying Sunday, we would have to say day one. And Monday, day two. You know, and even the Nike symbol is tied to Greek mythology. The Mazda symbol. All, pretty much almost all of our military awards and decorations are tied to Greek mythology or Roman mythology. You know, things like that. So, we have to be careful of that. So, we know that we don't get involved in sinful customs. So, there is a difference between something like Halloween and Christmas. Right, so Halloween we know is just totally evil. We don't take part in that. Right? We, we're not to have any ties in that. So we don't have ties in the Halloween at all. They, we should not be involved in any fall festivals or anything like that because there's a difference. Now, with Christmas, we're celebrating the birth of Christ. Right? So let's turn to Romans 14 real quick. So truth be told, when it comes to, and I'll give the answer early, in reference to whether or not we as Christians celebrate um, Christmas, it is the 
scriptures tell us on which side we believe. So if we believe that we should not celebrate Christmas, then we don't have to celebrate Christmas per se. And the reason being, I'll get to that in a minute once we read the scripture. So Romans 14, uh, beginning it, we'll read verses 5 and 6. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. So one person may esteem a holiday that we celebrate in this world today, such as Christmas or whether it be Thanksgiving or whatever. They may esteem that day to be a more special day than another. Somebody else may esteem every day the same. So truth be told, we should celebrate the Christ, birth of Christ every day. Right? Every day. Amen. We say that, but then we wait till Christmas time, most of the time as Christmas, as Christians, to get into the festivities. But technically we should be celebrating the birth of Christ all the time, Amen. year round. Right? So verse 6. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. So basically... If you're going to celebrate Christmas, you do it unto the Lord. Amen. You do it unto the Lord. It's not about uh, the gifts. It's not about Santa Claus, and we're going to get to that here a little bit later, if time permits. <laughs> it's not about any of those things, but we do it unto the Lord. And if we're going to do it, we, we do it in faith, and we give honor to our God and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, so... Going back to the paganistic ties in reference to Christmas. So, there used to be, in the Roman culture, there was um, a week-long festivity called uh, Saturnalia. Right? So, Saturnalia was, like I said, a week-long festival leading up to what they would call Winter Solace. And Winter Solace is this. This is where they would consider it to be, really, the first day of winter. It was around December 23rd. It was, it, it would be, they were celebrated somewhere around... Uh, December 17th to the 23rd. And then when the solstice is actually this, it is the shortest day of the year and the longest night. Then usually after that day, the days start to get longer and nights start to get short. So they used to celebrate that uh, in the Roman culture by doing, uh, hanging decorations, giving gifts, closing things down, uh, hanging things up, and then <laughs> as... Christianity became the dominant uh, faith, dominant religion in Rome. They started to institute Christmas as a day to get away from the paganistic things that they were doing back then. And, they, and it was also a way for them to lead people to Christ. Okay, So we have to understand, even though they came up with Christmas, it wasn't on the same day as Santa Maria was. So... Some people like to tie it together. It, it kind of gets its roots from that, but it's a little bit different. They're not, they, they're not the same, basically, because they want different days. So some of the things that we do today on Christmas, we see today that most of the businesses are closed. right? Like I said, they would do that for a week, long time. And people will hand out gifts and things like that. So we have to understand that there are customs and things like that. And there are customs that are mentioned in the Bible that God tells us to follow. right? Well, he, basically, he told Israel to follow, not us. So... You know, um, another reason why some people may not uh, celebrate uh, Christmas is this. Let, you know, there's some scriptures. Let's turn to Leviticus 20. I'm going to read this one, and then we're going to go to Colossians. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 23. 
Leviticus chapter 20, verse 23 says this, And you shall not walk in the statues of the nation which I am casting out before you. For they commit all these things, and therefore I abhor them. So, in other words, God was trying to warn Israel not to walk in the statues of these foreign nations. And, you know, they were doing some things that were not of God. And Romans 12 tells us to what? Not be conformed to this world, right? But to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. So Colossians chapter 2 verse 8 says this, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. So, could Christmas fall under that as being the tradition of men? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Christmas can fall under that. Thanksgiving can fall under that. Pretty much almost all the holidays that we have today can fall under to the uh, traditions of men. So we have to understand this. The Bible does not tell us, does not prescribe to us that we are mandated to celebrate Christmas. Alright, so what I mean by prescribe. So you have two words, prescribe and describe. So describe, I'll talk about describe first. Describe is usually what people will use to try to discredit the Bible or to say I'm not going to follow God. So let me give you an example. Uh, one a prominent example would be this. We know that slavery is wrong. We know in our culture slavery is wrong, and we know that atrocities over the years in reference to slavery. So the Bible talks about slavery. It talks about Israel being a captive in slavery, and it mentions slavery. People will use that and say, well, because the Bible and God talks about slavery, I'm not going to follow that. I can't follow a God that will condone slavery. Well, is he truly condoning slavery, or is it a description of what's taking place in it? Right? So, it's not prescribed. Slavery is not prescribed. So, prescribed is basically a commandment. Thou shalt not worship any other idols before me. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. That is prescribed. So, there's nothing in, uh, in reference to Christmas that commands us to celebrate Christmas. Why? Because ultimately, Christmas is a traditional man. Okay? Alright, but there are customs that God had Israel celebrate annually. So, in Deuteronomy 16, when I turn there, just, I'm just reading it to you. Deuteronomy 16, God talks about where he wanted Israel to remember the Passover. And they will have a celebration of the Passover. Leviticus 25 talks about the year of Jubilee and the Feast of Weeks. There are things in the Bible that God will have us do to be put us in remembrance. Right? We got the Lord's Supper. Right? We take, we take the Lord's Supper, we take communion to remember Christ's death. Right? So we, we do have communion that we do in the church. And also in Joshua chapter 4, when they crossed over to Jordan, when they were going into the promised land, I, I think I mentioned this uh, a couple weeks ago, that uh, maybe last week, I can't remember, but how God dried up the Jordan. And they walked across. So God told Joshua to have one person from each tribe, or each of the 12 tribes, to pick up a stone, and it will be a memorial stone for to remember what God did. And drying up the Jordan. So that they would always remember that. So there's nothing wrong with that. Right? So we also know that in the New Testament. There was a. Uh, there were things called. Uh, Greek culture. The Hellenists. 
right? So Paul actually used that to his benefit to be a witness to Christ. In Acts chapter 17, where he's going to the uh, Hellenistic uh, Jews, Hellenist people, and just, uh, I'm going to give you the definition of Hellenist for those that don't know. So, so Hellenist is someone who adopted the Greek culture and ideas. They didn't follow their paganistic ways, but they adopted ideas and customs and things like that. So Paul, y'all remember the statue of the unknown God in Acts 17? So Paul goes to them and says, hey, no, the unknown God is known, and his name is Jesus. So Paul used that custom and that statue to glorify and introduce them to Christ. And that's what he did. And, and that's what we can do with Christmas. We can use that to introduce people to Christ. Amen. And then also, well, never mind. I won't talk about that since I already got <laughs> All right. So we know that December 25th is used as to celebrate Christ's birthday. Here's the problem. We don't know what day Christ was born, right? And more than likely, Christ was not born in December. Right? We, we, we know that because of the shepherds being out in the fields. We know that even back then and even today, the shepherds would not have been in the fields during the cold times. Right? Like that. So, but this is a day that they came up with, like I said, back in the early Roman times when Christianity became the predominant religion as a day that we would celebrate the birth of Christ. So regardless of the fact that even though... Christ was not born on December 25th that we don't know for sure. We don't know what day he was born. Doesn't mean we cannot celebrate his birth. Okay? So let's turn to Luke chapter 2. country, well actually, let me rephrase this, so we'll see sometimes when we see postcards, we'll see movies, and things like that, we'll, we will always see the um, birth of Christ, where Luke was, was here in Luke chapter 2, we're about to read, and also what's in Matthew, we'll see them together, but we're going to see that they're different and separate time frames as we go along. Alright, so now, uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Alright, so let's stop right there. So this is why I love Luke, because Luke, he always introduces people who are odd, people who are outcasts, right? So that's why Luke is probably my favorite gospel. So Luke will introduce women, he will introduce children, he will introduce and have the Samaritans in there, because we know the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get along, right? And we know, we talked about this before, that shepherds were not a well thought out, well not thought out, but was not well liked, was not well respected is what I want to say. But think about the goodness of God. You had the priests, you had the Pharisees, you had the uh, Sadducees. God didn't send angels to them. 
God sent them to the shepherds. He sent them to those who were considered basically outcasts. Right? Those that are considered beneath the people. He, he sent them to them to announce the birth of Christ. And that shows his love. See, and that goes to show us even in today's society. Because sometimes we think we have to have a position. We have to have a title. We have to go to Bible college or seminary in order to be used by God. But we're going to see these shepherds that they're used by God. Right here. All right, verse 10, uh, oh, no, verse 11. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in the manger. So that word babe there is briefos, which means a newborn. Okay? So we know that Christ was just, he was, he was just, uh, Mary just gave birth to him right here. Uh, and I'm saying that for a reason, and we'll come back to that. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph, the babe lying in the manger, now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Verse 20. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. So point number one is this. It is a time, Christmas is a time for us to glorify God. All right, so this is, a, this is a time, because we know that a lot of times, especially with Easter and Christmas, those are the two biggest times that people who normally don't go to church, they may find themselves in church. So this is a time that we can, go, we can glorify God, uh, God and Christ, because what happens is when people are getting all into us, you know, during the holiday season, people are rude. <laughs> yeah. People are rude. It don't matter how old, how young they are, it becomes about their needs. <laughs> Because why? They're out there shopping, they're frustrated, they feel pressured, got to get this gift, got to go here. Traffic is built up, they want to cut you off, but this is a time for us to tell them and be a witness to them and say, hey, this is not what this is about. Right. Let me tell you a story in the Bible, alright? And we can go and we can even talk about the shepherds here, right? And we can introduce them to Christ. Amen. That's what it's about. Alright, so now we have the giving a gift, right? Which would be point number two. So we have people that will get caught up in Christmas, like I said earlier, in giving a gift, right? If you feel you get a gift and then you feel you got to give somebody else a gift as Christians, well, that's wrong, right? Because of that, And we don't have to wait till Christmas to give gifts to people, right. right? We shouldn't because as Christians, we should be givers year-round, right? Doesn't mean we're going to give every day, right? But we should be givers year-round. It should be Basically customary to us, right? We don't wait till Christmas. But a lot of times, what we do, we get caught up in it, and we want to wait till Christmas. So, most of the time, we get caught up in the gifts. Like I said, said to the Nia, they gave gifts, but also, they'll tie it back to the wise men. So, let's turn to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 
first book in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Now, let's stop right there. So I talked about how God sent the angels to the shepherds. Here, the wise men knew. Right? We got to remember. So now, it's not talking about the priests here, but it's talking about wise men who were not followers of God. They were pagans. Right? They were of the pagan culture. Because they came from the Mede Persians, right? And I talked about it uh, a while back, how they probably read the book of Daniel and the things that Daniel had and wrote, how they knew how the Messiah was going to come and when they, how it was going to calculate. And I talked about before how, how could these people calculate it, but the priests and them not calculate it. But God is so good because here he is. He comes, he, he lets these wise men know. These wise men know, and they come, and they're looking to worship Jesus. Who's not, they're not looking at as their Savior, because remember, they're not Jews. <laughs> right? But they acknowledge him as the king. They acknowledge him as the king. Let's keep going. So when Herod the king, verse 3, when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. So let's stop right there. So that word trouble, he says Herod was troubled, and all of Jerusalem was troubled. Now, this trouble here means a few different definitions. I can tell you, Herod's trouble was not the same as Jerusalem's trouble. We know the Jews were expecting the Messiah to come. They were expecting their king, their leader to come. Why? Because I talked about it before that they were not looking for a spiritual Christ, but they were looking for a military leader Christ to come, to lead them out of the bondage and suppression that Rome had to have. So they were looking for somebody to, to rally around. So Jerusalem would be a sign. Right now, Herod he was worried. Jerusalem was excited. Herod was worried. Why was he worried? Because he he was king, but he he was not legally supposed to be king. Why? Because he was an Edomite. He came through the line of Esau, so he didn't come through the line of Jacob. Jacob, those that came through the line of Jacob, were supposed to be the king. Herod only became king because Caesar made him king of the people. So, Herod was threatened. So, it didn't matter how young Jesus was. If someone came who was rightful heir to the throne, guess what? They were king. So, we know in the Old Testament, there was a king as young as seven years old. Yep. yep. King as young as seven years old. So, even Jesus, at this young age, had every right to the throne. Physically. Right? So, even though he wasn't coming the way they were expecting to come, he still had a right to the throne physically. So, Herod was threatened. So he was anxious. And see, when we're not honest with ourselves and we're not honest with God, the enemy could come in and use our insecurities against us. He can use our fears. He can use our selfishness. He can use our pride. He can use our anxiousness like he's about to do with Herod here. All right, let's keep going. Verse 4. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Now, understand this. They knew where Jesus was going to be born. 
But how do the wise men know Jesus is going to be born at this time, but not these priests? And it's be, why? Because they were more concerned about their position. They were more concerned about their position because they were good. They, 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 were, they were good with Herod. They were good with the leaders of Rome. So they had no need. They, they didn't want anything to change. And as we see, as we're good, well, we're not going to go through it, but you see as you read the New Testament why they treated Jesus the way they did. Because they didn't want to lose their positions as well. Alright, verse 7. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. So we know that's not what Herod's attention was. We know Herod wanted to do, because we all read this, so we know how it ends here, that Herod... <laughs> Herod wanted to kill Jesus. Why? Because, like I said, he was anxious. He felt threatened. All right. Uh, verse 9. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood, where, stood over where the young child was. So understand, when they was in Jerusalem before Herod, they didn't see the star. But as they started going again, they saw the star. Why? Probably because the Lord didn't want Herod following them. Right? And the Bible doesn't say this, but this is my opinion. This star was probably an angel. This, part, this star was probably an angel that was guiding them to where the young child was. Alright, so when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Verse 11. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and mirth. So let's stop right there. So, in Luke chapter 2, it mentions Jesus as a babe, and that was a newborn babe. Here he mentions as a young child. What we have to understand is, this wise man, we, see, sometimes when we read this, we're thinking that they travel like we travel today, yeah. right? We have to understand that they didn't travel at nighttime back in those days. It would be too dangerous to travel at nighttime in those days. So, during the time... Scholars estimate that they will probably travel anywhere from 20 to 40 miles during the day and stop. This was actually a two-year journey for them. So you, by the time they got to Jesus here, he was no longer a baby. He was a toddler. Right? Jesus was at this time running around, walking, and things like that. So that's why it's mentioned as a young child here. So sometimes, not sometimes, when we do see these nativity scenes where we see Mary, Joseph, Baby Jesus and the wise men standing around. Well, that's not lined up according to Scripture. That's not lined up. Because when the wise men got there, Jesus was no longer in the manger. Right? And then sometimes we see that manger made out of wood and straw. Well, guess what? That manger was actually made out of stone. Right. Yep. So that's how uncomfortable Jesus would have been. They placed him in stone because of the troughs at that time, the mangers at that time, were made out of stone. Why? Because when you look and you research Bethlehem, it was full of stones, full of rocks. And actually, most of the time, where the people stayed at, well, they stayed actually in the caves. They made houses in the caves, and they only had two rooms. So even when it mentions in Matthew about the inn, it's not a hotel like we think today. So we'll see it on cartoons and things like that. Oh, there was no room at the inn, the hotel clerk. No. This was actually a house. And see, what we don't realize is, even back then, these houses probably had two rooms. And they would bring the animals in at night into the family. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, 
some of the things we, we see depicted of Jesus during these Christmas times and in his cars and things like that, they don't line up in Scripture. And we come to believe and think, well, that's how it is. All right, so let's keep going. All right, uh, also, uh, so this is where most people get three wise men standing around because of the three gifts. But Scriptures don't tell us this, but it, I, I'm pretty confident based on how the wise men would travel based on history, it was more than three. It was so when they entered Jerusalem. Trust me, people knew it, it. It was quite a few of them that entered into Jerusalem. So it wasn't just three. So we have to understand, even when we see three wise men in that, it, no, that's not scriptural neither. The Bible doesn't tell us how many wise men they were there. But we can, based on historical perspectives and things like that, what we know from history, that more than likely it was more than three that traveled. All right. So verse twelve. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country. In other words, see, God has everything mapped out. God knew Herod's heart. He knew Herod was anxious. He knew Herod was threatened. And he knew that the enemy was going to use Herod because of his weakness and his insecurity. Verse 13. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there, until I bring thee word for Herod. Oh, excuse me. Bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and departed into Egypt. See how it's important to be in tune with the Lord? So when the Lord says, Move, we might want to move. Yeah. Because what would have happened if Joseph didn't pay attention? Or Joseph said, nah, I'm good here. Alright, verse 15. And was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth, and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. So this also gives credence that Jesus was a toddler. Why would he slaughter those children that are two years old or younger? Why? Because he had communicated, remember, he met with the wise men to inquire about their travel when they first started traveling. Okay? Verse 17, Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard, Lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and would not be comforted because they are not. So sometimes we say as Christians that, well, we may, well, we may say it and we hear it. Oh, God's such a loving God. He won't let anything happen to his people. Well, look, these children were slaughtered here. See, God doesn't control what sinful man does. See, these children were, not only were they slaughtered, but it was prophesied about in Jeremiah that that would happen. Right, so we have to be careful. And see, this is another thing where people say, well, I'm not going to be here during the tribulation period, so I'm going to be raptured because God's not going to let anything happen to me. Well, what did, these, what did these infants do? They didn't do nothing to deserve to be killed. That's right. No, but that is the result of the fallen world, sin, and, and fallen man. And see, the enemy will use that. All right. So... We know from the wise men, this is where people get the talk of the gifts and the things like that. But, guess what? So, you know, today, people talk about Santa Claus. Alright, so one of the reasons why I want to teach about this topic, and I talked about it where I was going to West Virginia, 
And I saw all these churches. Pancake breakfast with Santa. Photo with Santa. Right? But those churches are sending the wrong message because it's not about Santa. Right? So we talk about that Santa was based on a real-life person, St. Nicholas, right? And St. Nicholas did live, right? But when we see movies, these old black and white movies in reference to St. Nicholas, it may depict that it took place in the 30s or 40s or something like that. But actually, St. Nick was actually a bishop in early Rome in around 300 AD, right? So what happened with St. Nick is this. A lot of the things that we hear about St. Nick, how it ties to Santa Claus, a lot of that stuff, is legend. So let me tell you, let me explain what a legend means. So the definition of legend is this. It means a story from the past that is believed by many people but cannot be proved to be true. So a lot of these things, so if you research St. Nicholas, like I said, he was actually, well I don't know if I said it yet, but he was a bishop. He was a bishop and they say he was an orphan. His parents died. He was taken in by his uncle and he was imprisoned by a Roman emperor because of his faith. Because he, and that part is true. We do know that, that he was imprisoned by um, Roman Emperor, I think it was uh, Diocletian. Um, I think that's how you pronounce his name. I didn't have it in my notes. But anyway, um, he was imprisoned by that emperor. But there were all sorts of stories about St. Nicholas, right? That he gave all sorts of gifts to people. He prayed over people and they were healed. He prayed over people and they were raised from the dead. And Christians count that as true, but there's no evidence that any of that is actually factual. It's not. What is factual, that he was a bishop, he was alive, and he was in prison for his faith. That's what we do know is fact. So we have to be careful in getting caught up in those things, and we have to know the truth, and not get caught up in tradition and what people say. This is why I say we got to do our research on things for us to know. Amen. Amen. So, we don't get caught up in Santa Claus, definitely. <laughs> Alright, so let's talk about the Christmas tree. I guess I will finish this. Alright, so let's talk about the Christmas tree, right? So, some people talk about, well, they won't have Christmas trees in their house because they have, uh, again, ties to paganism and things like that. So, one of the evidences that they'll come with that is, let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 10. Jeremiah chapter 10, and we'll begin at verse 1. We have to understand, trees are mentioned in the Bible more than any living thing other than God and people. Okay? So, and see, these are the things that I struggled with until I did my research on it. Okay? So Jeremiah chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord, excuse me, hear the word which the Lord speaks to you, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, do not learn the way of the Gentiles. Do not be dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the Gentiles are dismayed at them. For the customs of the peoples are futile. For one cuts a tree from the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen, with the axe. They decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with nails and hammers so that it will not topple. They are upright like a palm tree and they cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot go by themselves. Do not be afraid of them for they cannot do evil nor can they do good. So a lot of people read this scripture here 
and they'll tie it to the Christmas tree. However, context is important here, okay? So if you're cutting down, you have a Christmas tree, and you're worshiping that Christmas tree, then this scripture applies to you, okay? There is nothing wrong with having a Christmas tree. Why? Okay? So trees represent life, growth, and provision in the Bible. Who created trees? God. God, God. absolutely. God created trees. So because man may do something with a tree or with a plant or something else and misuse it, does that mean it's wrong? That the tree is wrong? No. Nope. No. no. So if trees represent life, growth, and provision, there is nothing wrong with having a Christmas tree. Right? But we can't worship that Christmas tree. That's what right. Jeremiah 10 is talking about. It's talking about making that tree into an idol and worshiping. And I'm going to get to uh, something here in a minute because sometimes we may we may not realize it as Christians that we may do we may worship things for Christmas more than we do for God. And I'm going to give you an example of that in, in a little bit as we get there. All right, so Isaiah 60:13, I'm going to just read it. Uh, Isaiah chapter 60, verse 13 says this, "The glory of Lebanon shall come to you, the cypress, the pine, and the box tree together to beautify the place of my sanctuary." So there's nothing wrong with trees, because the Lord is speaking that. Amen. That the tree itself, different trees, <laughs> are going to beautify a sanctuary. Right? Revelation 22 and 2 says this, In the middle of a street, and on either side of the river, was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. That trees, that, excuse me, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And we also see in the Garden of Eden that there were trees there as well. So, what is the origin of the Christmas tree? Most people believe it originated actually in Germany. Right? So, I don't know how many of y'all are familiar with Martin Luther. So, Martin Luther was one of the people who popularized, popularized I don't know if I'm saying that right, but popularized the uh, Christmas tree. Right? So, who was Martin Luther? He was one of the people, one of the main leaders for the uh, Protestant Reformation. Right? So, the Protestant Reformation happened when this... Martin Luther was battling the Catholic Church and the uh, sinful practices they were doing. Martin Luther was, was a monk in the Catholic Church. He didn't like the fact that they were saying, well, you'll be saved by your works. When he was saying, the scriptures say, hey, you say justification by faith. He was saying the Bible, the scriptures are the final authority. Where the Catholic Church at that time was saying, no, the Pope, the priest was the final authority. Right? And what they were doing also, Pope Leo X was Pope at this time, and what he was doing was what was called indulgence. So what he would do was this. Let's say Phil was out there sinning. So he would send a priest over to Phil and say, Phil, give me this amount of money and I'll clear you of your sins. <laughs> <laughs> and as a matter of fact, you got any dead relatives, I'll tell you what. You pay this amount of money and we'll clear them so they don't have to spend time in, all this time in purgatory. Oh my Jesus. Yes. So, Martin Luther was against that. That's why he stuck up his 95 Thesis. And that's why, and guess what? They excommunicated him from the church. And see, it's no different today. When you start talking about living right, talking about holiness, those that are in the church today, they'll speak against you. Because people don't want to hear it. Why? Because they don't want to be confronted with their wrongdoing. Right? But we have to go by what the scriptures say. The scriptures are the final authority. Amen. Not man. And definitely not me. It doesn't matter what I say. If it doesn't line up with the scriptures, then I am wrong. Period. doesn't matter how popularized somebody is, 
how big their church is, it doesn't matter. If it doesn't line up in scripture, they're wrong. We can't get caught up That's in right. a charismatic speaker for who they are. Alright. So, what, what Martin Luther did was he chopped down the uh, evergreen tree and brought it into a house. And he put candles on it. Now, I don't recommend us doing that today. <laughs> how it didn't burn, I don't know. But that's literally what he did. So here you have somebody that is one of the pillars in the faith that we have a lot of things that we teach today from Martin Luther who popularized the Christmas tree. All right? So there's nothing wrong with the Christmas tree. So we'll close this up right here. Alright, so you may, I'm going to read this right here. So you may be thinking that worshiping a Christmas tree or decorations is dumb and that you never do that. Well, you're right. It is dumb. So, let's see. But it's easy to worship Christmas trees above Jesus more than you think. Don't worry. We can all be guilty of it. So what do I mean by that? If Christmas season comes... And we feel we have to hang up our Christmas decorations to get in the spirit, then we're worshiping Christmas more than Jesus. Amen. If we feel we have to have a Christmas tree up, we're worshiping Christmas more than Jesus. If we feel we have to go out and buy people Christmas presents, then we're worshiping Christmas more than Jesus. And we're putting those things above Jesus. Because remember what I said earlier, that we can celebrate the birth of Christ every day. That's right. So if you're not putting up Christmas decorations every day, and then when December gets here, and then you feel you have to put up your Christmas decorations in order to feel happy, something's wrong with that. Something's wrong with that. you got to be careful with that. Amen? Amen. And one thing I forgot to mention is this. We talk about the, um, the well, now we talk about we see sometimes the shepherds being older. The shepherds were actually young. There was no old men out there as shepherds. And as you remember with David, he was the youngest one, right? So it would usually be the youngest children that would be out there. And sometimes it would be females out there as well. So that's just a little old fact. <laughs> I'm more reminded of the son-in-law like Jacob. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, it, it, it wasn't a, a, a pretty job. So they they would send people out there, you know. And they, like I said, they would be young. So that's another thing that God did. He revealed himself, the birth of Christ. You know, he had the angels to, to young people. To young people. It wasn't old people. It was young people out there, you see. And that's an indictment on the priests and them out there, the Pharisees and the Sadducees out there, that God couldn't come now. Right? But he came to the youth, and he introduced the youth to the birth of Christ, and they went glorified. Not only they went to go glorify the Lord, but they testified. Young people went out there to testify, to share the good news. Amen. So how much more should we, as older people, Amen. do it? Amen. Amen.